In this competitive global climate, seconds count, and bottlenecks cost money. A lot of money. According to World Bank data, on average, each additional day that a product is delayed prior to being shipped reduces trade by at least 1%. Put differently, each day is equivalent to a country distancing itself from its trade partners by 70 kilometers. That's a lot of economic ground to make up. So that's why the alleviation of bottlenecks is a critical challenge. If you can shorten the distance, decrease the time, navigate the obstacles, balance the demands, and, most importantly, keep things moving, you're in business. If not, you're likely to hit a bottleneck. It's what keeps a guy like Peter Exotta, VP of Planning and Operations at Canada's largest port, awake at night. That's unique in, in a port context, really globally, that you would have an economy like Canada's that's very, very dependent on trade, but that is uh, uniquely, I'd say, dependent on very few arteries for its goods to move uh, to and from uh, international markets. So we have the East and West Coast, and on the West Coast, it's really Vancouver that has that principal role of, uh, of handling the commodities that uh, Canada trades. These days, the complex web of global trade and supply chain logistics practically hums with technical innovation. But sometimes something as simple as a suburban stoplight, a prairie snowstorm, or a grain dust cloud can threaten to bring the entire global system to a standstill, creating what industry insiders commonly call a bottleneck. In this series, we'll break these bottlenecks open by exploring the intricacies, infrastructure, and innovations that connect Canada's businesses and communities to the world, as seen through the inner workings of the Port of Vancouver and those who rely on it. Welcome to Breaking Bottlenecks, a brand new Insiders podcast series brought to you by the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority. I'm Aaron Chapman, a writer and historian. Like many Vancouverites, I have a special interest in the stories that are found everywhere from our back alleys to the ships that fill our harbor. On this episode, we're going to begin by looking at the most quintessential of bottlenecks, capacity. How much of something can move and how fast? To get a better sense of this, we'll explore two iconic elements of Canada, grain and winter, and the journey from prairie to port and beyond. Plus, we'll find out how data sharing is changing the way Canada does business and earning the port a reputation for efficiency that reaches around the globe. So, whether you work at the port itself, manage part of the supply chain, play a role in the shipping industry, or you simply love ships the way a train spotter loves trains, this podcast is for you. To talk about some of the challenges and logistics of moving grain, who better than a train guy? Jeff Wedgers is the AVP of Marketing and Strategy and Demand Management for CP Rail. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good. We're here today in the in the Williston Rail Yard. That is correct. On the South Shore. On the South Shore of the Williston Rail Yard. Yeah, you know what? We're right across the street from uh, Viterra Pacific Terminal. It's a grain elevator, a grain port terminal that accepts grain from us. Well, what you're looking at is the tracks right in front of us here are ladder tracks. The Viterra team, you, you saw their uh, their track mobile or their, their locomotive that is moving cars into their facility. Those are loaded cars that are being pushed into those tracks. They will be unloaded into their facility, which holds the product. Behind this, we can't see it as much. From here is where they'll load the vessels. It's a, this is a, a classic port terminal. We've got, we've got a grain train passing Just by passing right us right now. now. Yeah. So essentially what happens when a train gets down to the port, there is an intricate planning that goes into when that grain train needs to be spotted at the port. You'll notice that we don't have big loop tracks here in, in Vancouver, and that's one of the limitations that we have. And what's a loop track exactly? 
So a loop track would be you, you run a 7,000 foot train from the country, it comes into Vancouver at the port and it stays together as a 7,000 foot train and it unloads and then it can launch right back out to the country. Because of the space constraints we have, we actually have to split most of our trains into ladder tracks, which means a 7,000 foot train gets broken into 2,000 foot chunks. Uh, I see, yeah. So that adds some time and complexity to spotting of those facilities. Once we get the train spotted at the facility, they unload in anywhere from 10 to 16 hours. So it's, it's pretty efficient. All of the terminals down here have been investing in infrastructure to increase their ability to unload those rail cars and to load their grain from their facilities into the vessels, which is critically important to the supply chain. Of course, space constraints are not the only logistical challenge that can affect the flow of grain. Here in Canada especially, there is one major complicating factor that supply chain experts have learned never to underestimate, winter. It's a factor of moving any product within Canada is that we have to deal with weather. And whether it's a major snowstorm, whether it's a long winter with lots of snow, or whether it's severe cold, it impacts everyone in the supply chain. So it's harder for our employees to walk in the heavy snow. It's harder for the grain elevators to load. It's harder for the port terminals if they're dealing with severe weather to unload. So the supply chain slows down. We need to recover quickly, work together to get the fluidity back. And we've got processes in place working together to ensure we do that. Winter in Vancouver is one thing, but over on the prairies, they know a thing or two about real winter. This is Kyle Jaworski, the president and CEO of Viterra in Regina. Viterra's vast network of grain elevators, crop and processing facilities, and port terminals helps bring Canada grains to over 50 countries worldwide. Winter can't get in the way. When it gets below minus 25, it severely affects our operations. First, the safety of our employees. When you look at the grain loading process, we have employees that are required to be outside. So when it gets too cold, we've got to take additional breaks, additional precautions. And if you look at equipment in general, equipment is not made to run effectively when it gets below minus 25. So the locomotives on trains don't work as well. The movement of cars is impacted. We have tend to have more breakdowns because of the cold weather. If you think about it, we're moving from the prairies that are extremely cold. And as you move west towards Vancouver, the, the temperature will increase. It melts when we get to Vancouver. As I come back, it starts to freeze. We've got rail car lids that are frozen. In addition, our farmer customers are affected by the weather. So there's a lot of things really that go into the whole supply chain that can be affected by winter conditions. Are there issues with the rail lines as well that, at that time of year? Well, definitely. I mean, rail lines get covered in snow, so there needs to be a clearing of snow. You also have some impact in terms of railway speeds. Tracks in general, when it gets that cold, can be brittle. You can have some cracking of, of tracks there. So additional repairs are required in some areas. The braking system is driven off of an air system. So when it gets below minus 25, the ability to air up the cars and use the braking system effectively is impacted. So you need to actually shorten up the length of the train. So to move the same amount of volume requires more locomotives and more crews. Interesting. And I imagine even with those sort of different sizes of trains you're discussing, there can be congestion issues. Absolutely. I mean, as you're moving more trains, you have more locomotives, more crews, you do have a lot of bottlenecks uh, that we need to deal with as we move into winter. When it comes to moving grain, understanding the intricacies of rail and port capacity is critical, especially when winter weather stands between the producers and the port. That nuanced understanding is possible with more transparency or greater visibility into the system. 
But until recently, the supply chain visibility level in Canada was pretty murky. Basically, we're talking about whiteout blizzard conditions. The challenge is to see into the system, you need data, and not just one source. You need data from shippers and producers, rail operators, port authorities, terminal operators, and vessel operators. This presents a real problem. Companies have always kept track of their own shipping data in an effort to improve their operations and increase their competitiveness. How much got moved, how fast, over what distance, and under what conditions was proprietary information until now. Given the complexity of what we do, it's it's not really conceivable historically that people in the coal sector would share their data with the grain sector or other sectors in, in the port. That's Peter Exada again, Vice President of Planning and Operations at the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority and one of the leaders behind the port's project to bring visibility to the supply chain. And yet the aggregation of all of their impacts and demands on the supply chain is what really matters. So if we can find a way for those very competitive participants in the supply chain to share a slice of information, and we can aggregate it in such a way and give it back to them that helps inform their decisions, uh, that's kind of the gold standard or objective that we're, we're working at. Through an industry-first data sharing initiative, key stakeholders in the supply chain offer up their data and in return can now see system performance to better understand where the bottlenecks are and how to fix them. This shared data helps power the VFPA's dashboard, the system that monitors the day-to-day activity at the port. But beyond the data, it's collaboration that counts. Kyle Jaworski of Viterra agrees. Uh, It's also very important that we work with our supply chain partners. Our railways are absolutely critical uh, to what we do, and it's important that uh, we collaborate extensively with the railways to ensure we understand challenges that they're seeing, challenges that we're seeing, so that we can make the best decisions possible considering the circumstances. Back in Vancouver's Williston Rail Yard, I asked CP Rail's Jeff Edwards, who actually has to collaborate in order to get the grain from field to freighter. The major players in the grain supply chain starts with the farmer. They work directly with the grain companies, the Viteras, the Richardsons, the Pattersons, in terms of getting the grain off of the fields and into the elevators. We work directly with those grain companies, work with them on transportation to get the grain from the country elevators to the port. And we have relationships, obviously, with the port terminals here on both the South Shore and North Shore in Vancouver, as well as port terminals in Thunder Bay and and other locations. So we all need to collaborate. This collaboration helps operators like Viterra improve their local operations and planning. But it also helps everyone in the Western Canadian supply chain optimize the existing system for better, smarter performance. This is essential to increasing our capacity, especially in challenging times like winter. For CP Rail's Jeff Edwards, that's a huge benefit. We work directly with the grain companies on specifically what is their demand? Is it a bigger crop in Alberta? Is it a bigger crop in Saskatchewan? Is it north versus south? So working very closely with them on where we're going to need our resources, where they're going to need their resources. So we share information like that, working very closely with the other railroad, CN, who also serves the grain, really trying to collaborate on how we move a train from multiple different origins, and they all have a different time to get to the port, but they all want to be at a port terminal at a specific time. So managing those slots and when do we launch the trains out of the country to get them into the port terminal when we want them there. We never want a port terminal to be without grain, but we don't want to overload Vancouver with too much grain. Collaboration and data sharing lets us see more clearly into the supply chain as a whole. And with that data, the port and its partners can have new insights and conversations about capacity and efficiency.
We have the container trucks in Vancouver all have a GPS unit on them mm. so that we can capture that data and look That's more precisely at yeah. where uh, where issues are. Transparency is the key. Data is the key for us to have the kinds of discussions that are productive in terms of resolving issues. But it extends beyond that. And our hope, of course, is that that data also becomes a source of us having the predictive analytical kind of uh, work to make sure that to the extent that it's possible to avoid these things, that's when we're, you know, that's the holy grail. Right. Just to follow that example through, to the extent that we want to seek some federal funding for infrastructure to help really alleviate what is that, a physical bottleneck, now we've got the actual data to show how the improvement would deliver the results yeah. instead of you know speculating or hypothesizing around things. And so that little example of using GPS is really what we've done throughout the supply chain. Take data from rail, take data from truck, take forecast information from shippers and terminals mm-hmm. and start to build out uh, essentially a transportation plan. Now that's that's what's really helped us become a very credible participant in this conversation around, well, what are the targeted investments and what are the best opportunities for investment by, you know, federal, provincial government or, or others, frankly. Right. right. Yeah. With better insight, the port and its partners can make better investments in key infrastructure that removes bottlenecks, like the new overpass near the Williston Rail Yard. It's a busy area. We're, the area we're in, we, we, we can see trains moving. We're hearing cars and trucks going past. We're right now by an overpass that helps sort of keep things moving. There's a, there's a real circuitry down here, isn't there? There really is. And we've seen over the last number of years some significant investment into the, into the South Shore and the North Shore in terms of increasing the capacity of the throughput. And the roadways and the, the blockages of the, the rail crossings was a major impact to us in the past. And investment in this overpass that we're looking has allowed truck and passenger traffic to move more freely through the port and allow us to have that switching time that we need to get in and out of these these terminals. So we're looking at doing further investment this year with uh, partnership with the federal government, the Port of Vancouver and other partners to invest from the National Transportation Corridor Fund to further increase capacity on the South Shore and to the North Shore. Sometimes you have to look at the numbers to really grasp the big picture of why these conversations about efficiency matter. In 2018, more than 147 million tons of cargo moved through the port of Vancouver. That generated 115,000 Canadian jobs and more than 200 billion Canadian dollars in trade. So we're talking about a process that has a huge impact on the daily lives of Canadians. And it's only going to keep growing. The volume of the port is expected to increase at the rate of 3.6% annually, adding 30 million tons by 2023. That's why the increase in capacity to move goods in and out is a must, not just for grain, but for our entire economy. It's also why we're going to keep looking at bottlenecks in the system and what's being done about them here on this podcast. So, if you like what you're hearing so far, I encourage you to join us again for more behind-the-scenes conversations with customers, management, partners, and workers at the port. You can download Breaking Bottlenecks at Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. While you're there, why not hit subscribe so you'll get notified whenever a new episode comes out. And for more information, you can always check out portvancouver.com. I'm Aaron Chapman. Thanks for listening.